0: Welcome to Common Science, and this week uh, we have a story episode, so that's where I interview a common scientist out there in the world about their life and what they get up to, how they see science in the world and and in their professional life as well. And today I've got Louis Milke on. He's a good friend of mine. I know him from high school. I played soccer with him. Actually, so I know him even way, way earlier than that. I played soccer with him. Growing up, and uh, we kind of parted ways for for a bit of time. And now, now he's halfway across the world in, in Sweden, and he'll have to talk more about that. Uh, but yeah, here here's Louis, and uh, Louis, if you want to give an introduction to our audience a little bit yeah. about, yeah, like your your professional situation, where you're living, what you do for fun.
1: Yeah. Thanks, Aiden. I remember. Uh, I think vividly, the first time is I was like, "Who is that kid that can kick the ball so far?" And it was you. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how old we were, maybe ten. That was great. Yeah, <laughs> something like and, that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I think, uh, yeah, right now I'm I'm in Sweden. I'm in Uppsala. It's um it's known for having like a big cathedral and where Carl Linnaeus um been a professor. Uh, it's in South Central Sweden. Pretty, pretty close to Stockholm and I'm doing my PhD over here and, and I'm studying biology uh, broadly but then I have this focus on fungi and fungal ecology so things in, like involving carbon cycling like decomposition um, forestry and lots of, yeah it, yeah we can get into into that yeah. more and sure. then um yeah, and it, kind of the reason why I ended up over here was like Minnesota and Sweden are really similar in a way. In a way. So with the boreal forest and so it's just nice to have a different perspective. And that's kind of how I came over here. And yeah.
0: Yeah. What, do you, what do you get up to for fun out there?
1: For fun. So outside of work, I'm camping a lot. Um, the forest, there's a lot of nature reserves and forests. And so... Yeah, I'm getting outside. Um, we have chickens in at our house, so I live in a collective with. Uh, there's six of us. There would be seven, but one person is stuck in Belgium <laughs> um, with restrictions, and so yeah, there's yeah, there's lots going on in the house. Um. Yeah.
0: Yeah. When you when you say a collective, what do you mean by that?
1: Yeah. So. I would say, yeah, that's a good question. I think I think, really the the definition can vary quite a bit depending on the collective. <laughs> so some collectives are like really close, tight knit and they'll make food together every night and make, yeah, share food. And, but our collective is a little bit more independent. So yeah, we'll have those occasional get togethers, but we have a big house and we each have different rooms and, and there are two couples in the house. Um yeah, so it's yeah, I mean we share like cleaning duties and things like that. Yeah. And then we also plan events like outside of the house as well.
0: Did you kind of intend to to live in a collective or what what did it just kind of happen or how'd that come about?
1: Yeah, I've I don't know, a lot of people actually live alone in Sweden. Um but then there there is a good amount of people that live with others and but it's, it can be hard to find um, but I had good experiences from just hanging out with the students cooperative in in the University of Minnesota because that's where I had gone to undergrad so I just had get really good vibes from that place and then I'd lived at the Steger Wilderness Center where it's kind of a collective uh, feeling um, but you're more camping out and living in cabins uh and so yeah living with people i think it's really nice yeah because yeah <laughs> there's always something going on and, and and then you yeah you have other people to support each other and yeah. Sweet. it can be conflicts but it's part of the
0: sure experience. yeah it's mm-hmm. part of the experience for sure yeah that's that's uh that's fascinating to hear because i've i've like dabbled into looking in, into something like that i'm not sure if my my lady friend, Lauren would, uh, would be in, into the, uh, collective living environment, but, uh, yeah, that's, that's cool to hear. And that's cool to hear. Uh, I, I definitely subscribe to the idea of, uh, when you can, when you can share, why not? And so if you're sharing space and, and all that sorts of things, um, that's awesome. So to bring it back a little bit more to the, to the science, cause this is the common science podcast, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh so you we we went to high school together we played soccer together you were a year older than me and you went off to to university you, you went off to the University of Minnesota um and yeah how'd that how'd that go for you how did you land on on biology as a place to study
1: yeah so I remember we were in biology class together and you were so much better than me <laughs> at all the exams and I wasn't so interested in it at the time Um, maybe because of the teacher or I don't know but I didn't find as much of an interest in it and then and then I started as an undecided major and didn't know what I was doing but then just always knew that I really loved being outside and I love nature and and just understanding what that really is Mm -hmm. and so I kind of got into. Soil science and climate climate change, learning about climate change and um, activism, and and then yeah, I had been interested in doing research just because I'd always wanted to be a scientist. It was just this uh, maybe it's from my dad being a, just talking about geology all the time at home, and and just that I think that's kind of where it's it came from
0: yeah and to dig a little deeper into that why was your dad talking about geology all the time and
1: what mean, is what, mean, what,
0: what what is geology too for the for the layman
1: yeah i mean it's, it's a study of earth systems and um could be could be as simple as studying rocks and mineralogy um to maybe larger like geophysical problems with uh earth's uh, uh geos like uh Lithosphere. Yeah. So I think, yeah, it varies quite a bit. I mean, I'm not, I'm not super uh, good at that type of research. I don't know so much about it actually, but like I'd only taken an introductory uh, introductory class, but I think uh, that was where it kind of came from that inspiration because my dad was always so curious. And I mean, he would show me the um, like algae living in the Creek next to our house and he forced me to be outside as a kid so how how did did he do that uh he would take away all electronic devices in somewhere (laughs) and I couldn't find them and yeah it wasn't like he was locking me out of the house but it was I think that was really important actually
0: yeah I Um, think uh in today's day and age uh I think that's honestly an approach that could be used by more people (laughs) like I uh I mean one thing that that I I've just observed is, I mean, obviously the, the trappings of social media and uh, kind of the damaging effects that that can have on, on young people. And uh, one thing that I definitely appreciated, uh, they've been few and far between just because obviously life uh, involves just traveling around and spending time in different places. But I, I always appreciated going out on, on hikes with you and, and especially being somebody so knowledgeable about, about fungi in particular, and we can dig more into fungi, but, uh, just walking with somebody who's just completely jazzed about being in nature and completely jazzed (laughs) about, about the different species is is just, yeah, an experience that I think more people should have. Uh, so I, I, am sure that that played a role, um, yeah so that was kind of like the the budding of it and then you you were at college you were undecided major and you but you always wanted to be a scientist so how did you narrow it down to to what you're studying now
1: i thought i would do engineering and i was just working in the soils lab it's a pretty monotonous job (laughs) weighing soils and seeing how much carbon and nitrogen there was in them and but that just like having that experience, just working in a lab. I then I applied to a research experience for undergraduate pr- program and, in Yosemite National Park. And I don't know, somehow I got it. So then I was spending a whole summer in, in Wawona in the Southern part of Yosemite. And yeah, that's basically where my mind was blown. <laughs> and I mean, just with the giant sequoias and I mean, that's where i got into botanizing and just like wanting to know the names of plants i yeah, was on what, a hike
0: yeah. what is bot what does botanizing mean
1: for yeah i would say it's just trying to figure out what what plant species are out there okay um i guess you could use the term i mycolo- mycologizing now <laughs> <If you're> looking <laughs> for fungi i don't know if there's a great yeah. word for it for yeah for fungi. people say foraging but then that's more edible edible things but sure um,
0: so you got really into it in yosemite though
1: yeah and yeah it was we were on a hike through the mariposa grove of giant sequoias and this professor jason sexton he was showing us all the plants that i was just it was awesome it was so cool i mean we saw these like parasitic pine drops and these little yeah yeah so many cool plants
0: parasitic pine drop Try yeah. to try to try to describe that.
1: They're like uh, really yeah. red. They don't have they don't photosynthesize, so they. Um, so they they're I think they're microheterotrophic. So they basically take nutrients from fungal mycelium in the soil. Um, yeah. And so, take, yeah, so that's how they get their carbon source, basically.
0: So they're they're taking to simplify it even more they're taking food from fungi and that's yeah. what makes them parasitic yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah
1: yeah yeah uh, yeah i don't know maybe there's a maybe it's more than a parasitism maybe it's. Some, yeah maybe there's i mean i'm sure there's a whole lot else going on with bacteria and sure all sorts of yeah microbiome
0: but. uh so you were in Yosemite. What what happened next? When was that? That was during your undergrad.
1: Yeah, that was yeah it was after my second year.
0: Okay. Yeah. So would you where, you end up? Where'd you end up going next?
1: Then I then I wanted to do this climate change experiment because I was so fascinated by climate change and how it's gonna affect uh, just forest ecosystems or plants or anything in general. And so I was, um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I had contacted Rebecca Montgomery. She studies plant phenology and forest ecology in general, and was ask, like asking her if if she wanted to do some sort of Europe project, which is an undergraduate research opportunities program. So, yeah, I was just like applying for a little bit of funding to do to do some sort of climate change experiment. And she was like, "Well, I'm pretty busy, but there's this new professor, Peter Kennedy, and who would be happy to to have you as a undergrad." And yeah. and he, and Peter Kennedy studies fungi, and he's a mycologist, fungal ecologist, and that's where, um, yeah, pretty much me learning about fungi began. That's but, uh, awesome.
0: Uh, yeah, so. Uh, I guess one, one thing just kind of big picture before we dig deeper into fungi then, uh, I mean, obviously climate change is a big problem that a lot of people are, especially I think young people <laughs> hear about frequently and, and want to do something about uh, what in your experience, uh, I mean, I, I don't, I'm not sure how much your studies are specifically in, related to climate change but just what in your even personal life have you done to to do your your part and mm. and like reduce yeah. your footprint or whatever else
1: yeah that's that's a really interesting question I think it's really difficult because a lot of us get hung up on the individual like what individual thing we can do but it's it's there are larger things that are at play that have much larger impact. I mean, there are people with lots more power. There are people with, um, yeah, there's there's large corporations and governments that can really make really big decisions about this. So, I think that it's it's yeah, I've I've been doing trying my part to to reduce my carbon footprint, but like in a way, uh, I kind of like this permaculturalist uh, perspective where, like, why like if if um, if we want to just continue to reduce our footprint, then we might as well not exist. <laughs> like, and, I, and I, so I think that a footprint can be a good thing. Yeah. Like, it put it like if you can, like the way that you use energy and and organic matter and um, you men- also feel you for, for a good a, impact.
0: You mentioned a permaculturalist perspective. What's what's permaculture?
1: Yeah, so I think it's it's basically this um, concept that's derived from the Maori in, in New Zealand. So it's an indigenous perspective, like holistic perspective that was pretty much introduced through um, more Western thought in Australia um, with, uh, I think, Dave Mollison would be like one of the key um, starters of the permaculture movement but it's yeah it's basically like a, taking this indigenous way of knowing things and like a philosophy and farming and um, yeah culture and and trying to like create this sustaining life with I mean there are a lot of different dimensions to it basically sure but, yeah
0: sure that's super fascinating so then you got into fungi though and you started to, to deep deep dive into that after your your experience with peter kennedy uh yeah. one thing one uh so one experience that i thought was just i mean spontaneous and hilarious so after i graduated i was working at the university of minnesota as well and yeah. i was i was eating a sandwich or something at at mim's cafe which for those who don't know that's in st paul minnesota and it's right by the the campus and and sure enough, uh louis who I haven't seen in who knows how long, wanders in uh and he's he's on his way to uh mycology club or, or like the study of mushrooms oh, club. Yeah. I, I don't know if you remember that at all, but
1: um Was it the, the Minnesota Minnesota Mycological Society? That's what it was, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
0: And 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 uh uh, a shared a shared friend to Reagan McCormick was along yeah. and, and and you' were, you were just like, oh hey no, do you want to come with us to the Minnesota Mycological Society meeting And so I attended this this introduction to mushrooms and man, the average age of the Minnesota Mycological yeah. Society is. is much higher than uh, than you and Reagan and I brought yeah. to the table. So yeah, what's what's been your experience being a, a young person in the circle? Are there other young people in the in the mycology space or or yeah, you know,
1: definitely. I think I think that's a real testament to like how much information is in older generations, hmm. and like <laughs> especially with mycology and fungi, like identifying species. So many uh, older folks know, like that's where like the collect, like the collective knowledge of species are right now. I'd say so. Passing that on is really important, I think, for a lot of different disciplines, probably. Um, but yeah, the I'd say the mycological society looks a bit different than the my- uh, the Minnesota Mycological Society looks a little bit different than the Mycological Society of America, um, in terms of cause that's more of an academic um, society, like where there's, they have journals. And I mean, just, I mean, the Minnesota Mycological Society also has journals, but it's, it's more, um, more casual and, and more about foraging or it's volunteer. Um, I think, yeah, even maybe the Minnesota, or sorry, the Mycological Society of America is also a bit, um, maybe there's some vol- service component to it as well. But it's more like a focus on conferences, post, you know, like poster presentations and um, networking, and and yeah, reaching out to people across the country and across the Ameri- Americas, basically, to talk yeah. about fun.
0: That's uh, that's fascinating. Uh, so the, and that yeah. crowd's like
1: a lot. Young, there's like a really great crowd of of younger researchers of like all different all different people from all over. So it's really nice
0: that that is cool uh yeah. yeah what's what's some of your or what do you what do you most enjoy about studying studying fungi like what what makes that mm-hmm. the field why it do, is... why would why why, why <laughs> would you say somebody like a young aspiring scientist should go into mycology
1: i think there are too many fungi for the mycologists that are out there right now um I mean, there's yeah, there's a lot that we don't know um, about them, and like all the different secondary metabolites that they produce. Like whether you're interested in medicine, or if you're interested in farming and and forestry, and and looking at the different interactions between the different species, um, or just like on a physio, yeah, just on interest in a physiological level, on, on how different cells with like many different nuclei function, and I think there are, there's lots of um, lots of different reasons to get in, interested in fungi. But yeah, I would say that there you just can't, you can't catch them all. <laughs> you just can't, <laughs> they're too many. And they're all, there's so many very, varies of, of lifestyles like parasites um, wood decomposers, mycorrhizal fungi, which are the, they have this, they establish a symbiotic, symbiotic uh, relationship with the tree and exchange like uh, different nutrients in the soil water kind of an extension of the root system for the tree in exchange yeah. for carbon photosynthesis yeah. from a tree or other plants i mean most plants have this uh relationship like nine i think there's estimates between 70 and 90 percent of land plants
0: wow mm-hmm. that's wild i watched uh oh man i'll have to look up the do you know what the the name of there's a uh fungi documentary that went kind of viral uh it was i think it was hosted by what was the name of the 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 super popular paul stamets paul stamets yeah 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 did you ever see that documentary
1: oh i actually haven't watched it it's probably really bad no worries <laughs> but, um, i've watched a lot of the, the footage though and different from different uh places and i've yeah i've definitely listened to a lot of um Paul Stamets and and seen a lot of the photos from Louis Schwartzberg and yeah it's super nice that they're getting the spread in the word
0: yeah I'll have to I'll have to link that in the show notes because I just remember the, the
1: yeah. visualizations
0: yeah. of of fungi growing and then also yeah the mycorrhizal networks like you're talking about under the mm-hmm. soil and how mm-hmm. some of them or we think some of they communicate uh yeah but I'll definitely have to link that uh speaking of of Paul Stamets and then this podcast too uh I was curious being on the academic side of science what do you what do you think of kind of these I mean Paul Stamets for one he's kind of a popular science figure he's also got a lot of other things going on but Mm -hmm. yeah what's your what's your kind of philosophy as far as communicating mm-hmm. science or
1: or yeah. yeah i think i think i think these people are really important um for spreading the word and i think they get people excited i think that's really good um and maybe yeah, and they also a lot of them don't have uh the uh what would you say like the the usual path through academia into those like Paul Samus I think has maybe an honorary degree or and there there are lots of like rising um, mycologists out there like uh, uh, William Padilla Brown I'd say Michael Simbioti, Um who yeah I mean they're just like they're doing they're doing science in like an alternative way and it's super cool I think it's really great community science I like to call it I think citizen science is a bit restricted in a way so I like to call it community science. Yeah. Um, and I think, yeah, and a lot of the am- amateur mycologists, that's where like, those, those people are the best at identifications. And um, yeah, they're making a, a lot of progress. I think they're, yeah, I mean, there can always be uh, misinterpretations of, of things as well, of course, too. For sure. Um, but the, you- I think they're really important for, somebody's got to be the spokesperson
0: right (laughs) um i'm curious what you mean by citizen science being limiting versus uh
1: citizens like if you have a green card like can you do citizen science i don't know maybe that i mean yeah i think it i think it's not maybe it's kind of a moot point but i like the term community science better
0: yeah it's more um or in the case of this podcast, common science, you know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah that's funny. Um, community science for sure. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. I, I think one one kind of tension that I've uh, experienced in academia is, uh, I mean, I understand there is immense value to. a a phd in that it does train uh like the rigorousness uh that can come with professional research also professional research under a mentor right i think the mentor mentee relationship in that is super important um Mm. but i do agree that it can be kind of kind of limiting to to focus solely on that and not like holistically on community science Mm. or whatever you want to call it um Mm what would you say is the, are the pros of, of doing a PhD?
1: Well, I think it depends where you are and, and like how, how you're supported. Um, I mean, if you can, if you can get a grant from National Science Foundation in the U S to, to, for four years of funding, do it. I mean, If you have a really great idea, like go for it. I didn't, I didn't apply for that. Instead, I, in, in Sweden, I think in a lot of places in Europe, you, you have to have guaranteed funding for three or four years. Mm -hmm. Um, so like, it's like a job basically. So I think, I think that's like really important to, I mean, yeah, PhDs can, can take a long time if you don't have funding. Um, yeah. So I think the, is that, what your question was basically yeah or why did you do a phd yeah so for me i think i think it was like a, a really great opportunity to focus on one maybe project one or two projects that are somewhat similar somewhat related and just really focus on that and see if yeah it's just see how it how it goes because i mean of course you have never if you've yeah I mean, I didn't really know what to to expect. I mean, I just knew that I wanted to focus on fungi for some amount of time, and just specifically study them. And then, of course, it's even more uh, narrower than that. I mean, you're answering like a few specific questions, you know, really small questions too. Um, So I think that it's, I think it was it was like a challenge that I wanted to focus on. and then I wanted to just get like really good at something specific. And yeah, like help help answer some of these bigger questions of of how climate change is affecting carbon cycling across the globe, across the biosphere. Mm-hmm. Like how just yeah, putting like a little piece in the in the larger puzzle, basically.
0: Yeah. yeah that's so super
1: Yeah. I mean, yeah, if you can, yeah. But I, I mean, I couldn't, I don't think I could have done, I couldn't do the work that I'm doing if I didn't have some sort of funding. I mean, I just wouldn't be able to support myself. Um,
0: right. Yeah. How did you, so you went to Sweden specifically, was there a reason why you, like, what was the reasoning behind going to Sweden to do your PhD?
1: Yeah, it's, I had, I was, I had kind of was deciding between going to Montreal or Sweden and, I, uh, it's mainly to have a different perspective. Like I had really, I, and I heard really good things from the working in with Peter Kennedy and Chris Fernandez. Yeah. So I had heard really good things about research in Sweden. And a lot of, there's, there's a lot of research on biodiversity in Sweden as well. Hmm. And I think, yeah, like the, Consciousness about about biology is pretty high, and so I think yeah. that was really interesting as well.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. And to zoom out a little bit more, I mean, you also you also though didn't you didn't you take Swedish uh, in undergrad? You took some classes, and
1: I no, I actually didn't. I don't have any Swedish ancestors. That's why like everybody asked me, like, oh, you're from Minnesota? Oh, do you have Swedish ancestors? When they come over, I mean, maybe you got the same question yeah yeah
0: i i well people would so for our listeners i also i studied in sweden for three months and uh yeah i mean i'm i'm white i'm tall i've got brownish blondish hair and nobody nobody assumed that i had swedish uh well nobody like nobody outright said oh do you have swedish heritage but people would just start speaking to me in swedish they would (laughs) like and uh for those of you who don't know the Swedes are pretty at least in the urban areas pretty darn good at English. And yeah, I mean yeah. my Swedish was non-existent, so it was always funny. <laughs> I'd have to be like, uh oh, uh I can't man. Jag uh, jag, jag, jag taller into Svenska.
1: Ah, you're the I'm a negobra.
0: Um so yeah, it's just funny. I, I just would have to say, I had, I had that line memorized that I don't speak Swedish and I'd have to say that. Um, that. <laughs> um, but yeah, so you, so you so you don't have Swedish heritage, but did you, I thought you were taking Swedish classes.
1: I took, yeah, I was thinking about, yeah, that's true. I was taking Swedish classes. I was thinking about applying for a Fulbright to come to Sweden. Mm. Mm-hmm. and at that time i was stu- i was studying more hydrology and soil science
0: yeah
1: so yeah i, I basically yeah i had a, so then i was taking a swedish course just to see what it was like because they yeah. they offer them through the american swedish institute oh and, awesome and also through the university yeah
0: yeah, yeah. um so, for those of you who don't know if you if you go to if you ever go to Minnesota, obviously, there's we have listeners outside the, the great state of Minnesota, but the American Swedish Institute it's got awesome, uh, what do you call it? Fika. So, oh, yeah, yeah, you can have <laughs> awesome coffee. So, in, in Swedish, I think it's like Fika means to get coffee and uh, and uh, pastry, and so mm-hmm. they've got awesome coffee and pastries. Uh, so, if you're ever around, I recommend those. at, at the American Swedish Institute, uh, mm-hmm. but to, yeah, zoom out, I guess, and 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 get a little bit off the topic of of mushrooms and fungi. Uh, but yeah, how about so? How's been living in another country? Uh,
1: during Corona, or... <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh yeah, we'll 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 say we'll say be pre and post Corona. So let's start okay. with pre pre Corona.
1: Yeah, I think. Um it's really good it's been i've met some wonderful people here and it can be hard to meet swedes i think coming from like as an international but if you're yeah if you're trying to if you join some clubs or some organizations outside of what you're doing then it's any you, you, you know click google translate on the on the website if you can't read it or then um then yeah then you can find common interests with people and and it's it's not so hard to meet people um and that if you if you just yeah if you find the right channels i think it depends where you're coming from and how you you know would meet people normally before but it's not too it's not so far from from minnesota i'd say yeah for a lot of reasons
0: (laughs) yeah right um Um, yeah yeah. sorry go ahead
1: no no you go ahead
0: Oh, I was just going to say, yeah, care to explain the the Minnesota-Swedish connection for those who might not be familiar?
1: Yeah, so it's uh, basically um, during the potato famine, there were a lot of Swedish immigrants that went to the U.S. And I think it was like around a million. Uh, Uh,
0: I think it was something something wild. Um, Yeah,
1: a large number of people, mainly from, I think it was, Smoland, don't quote Smoland. me on that. Smoland, Smoland. Yeah. and I think a lot of a lot of people had moved um, to yeah to the U.S. Taking yeah. that voyage, and yeah, so that so the, there's yeah there's a strong Scandinavian um, connection to Michigan. I mean Michigan, like Michigan, Vermont, North, you know, the Northeast, and Minnesota, and lots of other places too
0: yeah I think uh one thing I noticed just when I was in Sweden yeah I mean you're right that it it is it's very similar in a lot of ways and that uh yeah I mean the the natural environment in in particular it's like I would go fishing with my host brothers and and they'd have the same fish that have pike and and perch and uh I mean pine trees everywhere Mm -hmm. and and all of that and then the other thing too was uh the, the diets, uh, the Swedes are also, if anybody knows, uh, most, uh, I mean, Minnesota is a pretty diverse place, uh, to an extent, but, um, the kind of stereotypical Minnesotan diet is pretty bland. Uh, and so the Swedes are also, uh, Swedes are also like that. I don't know if you noticed that, but my host fam, we went yeah. out to get pizza and I got, uh, I can't remember what I got. It was like the Aztec pizza slice, and it was—I mean, in my book, nothing, nothing hot. And and (laughs) I offered, I offered, uh, I offered some to the rest of them, and all five of them just shook their heads. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. So uh, that's pretty funny. Uh, yeah. I think
1: I think some of my, yeah, I I also yeah, the the Swedish meatballs and potatoes is like super super common but yeah, I mean, there's lots of other stuff, lots of other food too, Um, but I think some of my first impressions were in Uppsala, I was like, wow, I can bike everywhere, and there's a trail, and it's amazing, and then almost every house had an apple tree that was super old, and bearing the most ridiculous amount of apples when I arrived, and there's just so much fruit everywhere in everybody's yards, and of, so that was something I really noticed that was strikingly different. Hmm. Um, and then, of course, the train is so quiet, like from between Stockholm and Uppsala, you just can't even... You barely can hear it while you're on it. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, yeah, it's really nice.
0: Yeah. So you, you, you'd recommend Sweden to to any... I don't know. I mean, just kind of anyone who
1: can? Yeah. Yeah, It's it can be hard to um yeah it can be hard to stay in sweden um just with residency permits and mm-hmm. and things like that so you have to plan it out yeah um, but yeah if you if you do a phd you can you can apply for a permanent residence when you're done
0: dang um, is that something you've considered
1: yeah i've considered applying for the permanent residence then I have to stay in Sweden for six months of the year
0: for okay
1: I think until I don't know I haven't quite figured out the details yeah <laughs> there's some logistical problems
0: yeah like I mean like any any travels abroad but I'm sure it's come with uh, a lot of value what kinds of, of trips or are, are, I mean I suppose it's COVID now
1: um, I oh, guess yeah. we can
0: yeah get to the get to the the covid world and in Mm. sweden how's that how's that been
1: it's uh of course there's no like large events and with meeting of more than eight i think it's eight people now or something like that um i mean yeah you shouldn't meet other households and um yeah but masks are just not so prevalent in the grocery store and um Yeah, and we're still, we're still working in the lab, like I'm working in the lab right now. So that's, um, so yeah, the workplace is still open. It's kind of a hybrid situation. Um, Yeah. But yeah, of course, the cases were higher in Sweden, I think, relative to other places.
0: Yeah. Um, Yeah, I think they kind of, they kind of kept most things open. They were pretty, kind of an outlier in that way.
1: Yeah. But I saw this, this is a really good, I don't know if it was a meme or just what people were saying, but I got the bus stop before. So pre-corona, you'd have people waiting at the bus stop. They'd be at least two meters apart. And then after Corona, they're still two meters apart. (laughs) So if that shows, if that gives you any, yeah. Yeah.
0: How would you, how would you describe the, the, the average or, or stereotypical Sweden in your and your experience, or what are some what are some personality traits that you might have noticed? Or that's pretty funny.
1: Mm, that's a good one. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I lived with a lot of unusual Swedes. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, like I'd live with my friend Ingemar, who would I mean he would talk with anybody at any bus stop or any, you know, he's like really adaptable person. So yeah. I mean, it's not, there's of course the stereotype. But um, there are people from all over. They're like a lot of people are bilingual, and of, co- of course they're bilingual. But um, they know three languages, maybe a lot of people. And yeah, so I, yeah, I think the, and yeah, there's been like lots, of, like million million people that have come over here recently from from the Middle East, you know, mm-hmm. seeking seeking asylum. Sure. Back in especially tw- like 2015 so there's I mean that's I think the yeah it's quite a blend of of culture and yeah
0: um, that's super that's super uh yeah I mean I mean definitely fascinating and I think a point to highlight to people too because uh I think a lot of people think of Scandinavia as pretty homogenous and it is in some ways but Uh, there's definitely it's definitely changing I think in a lot Mm -hmm. of ways Uh, Mm -hmm. yeah or at least in my personal experience Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah so I guess so we talked a bit about Sweden we talked a bit about mycology Uh, in just your your daily life now Mm -hmm. um, like what kinds of of science do you do you see Mm -hmm. or use Um, I mean one or are you excited about one thing that I, uh, like? I'll think about is a lot of like psychological phenomena, like confirmation mm-hmm. bias, and catching myself that way or this way, or, mm-hmm. um, or in terms of like fermenting things. Do you have any any mm-hmm. hobbies that that amplify your or or complement your interests in science?
1: Yeah. Um... I'd say I'd say like when I'm walking around and like constantly thinking about like what this landscape looked like a hundred years ago, a thousand years ago, that kind of stuff. Um that's like just just my ordinary thoughts. Like some people think about this sh- like shadows if they're into drawing or something like that. Mm-hmm. But and then I'm I'm always thinking about like, whoa, I wonder what it was like a hundred years ago in this forest. Um yeah i think i'm also like i'm an, an avid user of iNaturalist, which is like pokemon go but real life um so definitely putting a plug in for the for iNaturalist, which is basically this application where you can take pictures of species you can get some help from the machine learning algorithms and then you can also it's like a community platform to help with identifications so i like I like uh, looking for species. And then I'm also part of a group called Neoskogsgruppen, which it means new forest group, literally. And, and if you translate it from Swedish. And that we're basically a, a group that's looking for really nice forests uh, across Upland. Um, and yeah, looking for forests with high conservation value that haven't been clear cut um because a lot of the forests in Sweden are have been clear-cut and is heavily managed so when you find these really nice remnant forests so with continuous cover that's really important yeah really valuable for us, for biodiversity and just for recreation and...
0: and what do you guys do then do you advocate for mm. uh protection or
1: yeah so one example was there's this nature reserve right next to Uppsala called Nostan Hogadala, Hogadala Nostan, and basically it's a it's a nature reserve. So people just think that it's gonna be untouched, but there there's still um, Uppsala University and the Uppsala Commune own own part of the land like land within the nature reserve, mm-hmm. and they're still allowed to clear cut uh, yeah. in the in the nature reserve. Wow. So that threw a lot of people off and people got really upset. And so basically we go in and make inventories and see if these forests are worth protecting and saving from being clear cut. Um, yeah, so.
0: Thanks. Son. That's awesome.
1: Yeah, it's any, fun. <laughs> any,
0: anything else you're, you're a part of or, or have going on? Or yeah. You know, like, it sounds like I quite like, a bit.
1: I like playing music.
0: Sweet, yeah. What what kind of music you've been playing? You have to you have to share some of that.
1: Yeah, yeah, I could share in some in some way.
0: Yeah,
1: um, yeah, I've been playing with some friends down in the harbor on the houseboat, and then, um, yeah, I've been playing guitar and singing, and then also a little bit of picking up piano just during corona you know you just pick up these random hobbies because what else <laughs> are you gonna and yeah um, so i've been playing more piano because there's a piano in the house
0: uh, that's awesome yeah i'd like to i'd like to get uh, at least a keyboard uh, at some point because I, yeah. I played it i played piano uh through ninth grade or something and then yeah,
1: you were in band weren't you
0: uh not not through Mm -hmm. high school just through like ninth grade I think and then Mm
1: -hmm.
0: yeah uh I mean I just kind of dropped off and I wish I'd kept with it um my partner Lauren she's an awesome pianist and and so I'm I'm hoping to cop some cop some lessons off of her uh, at some point (laughs) down the road
1: yeah at least I think it's really important to have this base foundation of I mean, even if, like, I don't, I only played tools in fifth grade, I think, Yeah. And, but I learned to read music, really slow, but I still learned to read music, and that was yeah. really good. That's awesome. I mean,
0: yeah, I think, too, it's, it's a nice, I mean, you can only read si- so many uh, scientific articles in a row, and it's a nice, uh, nice to have something, uh, yeah. like, artistic or musical to, mm-hmm. to balance it out, and get a bit of both of the the science and the art uh yeah so it's awesome awesome louis and and we're about about time here so i appreciate you taking the time to to hop on a on a call with me and it's been great uh seeing you and, and talking to you about fungi and 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 sweden and all the things and and yeah yeah i i hope to talk soon and and we'll uh, sign off now. Do you have any closing remarks to our listeners?
1: Mm, get outside, have a good time, and uh, yeah, see you on iNaturalist.
0: <laughs> yeah, see you on naturalist is right. Uh, yeah, thank you for listening to this Common Science podcast. You can hit the subscribe button, you can uh, leave a comment, you can subscribe to our email newsletter on our website, and finally, you can support us on Patreon so we can keep creating meaningful content. Uh, Thank you, everybody. And we hope you have a nice rest of your week.